People of Note on Fine Music Radio is proudly brought to you each week at this time by Peter Turin Productions. We have a repeat broadcast today, which I hope you're going to enjoy, especially in this Beethoven year. It's the interview I recorded in the Philharmonie in Berlin when I was there for the cycle of nine Beethoven symphonies with a Berlin Philharmonic conducted by Sir Simon Rattle. I was lucky enough to spend some time with the principal flute of the Berlin Philharmonic, Emmanuel Parhood, and we had a chat about the Beethoven symphonies, the newly appointed conductor of the BPO, and a host of other related matters. I'm in the uh, dressing room, an artist dressing room at the Berlin Philharmonie, where the Berlin Philharmonic is in the course of presenting all nine Beethoven symphonies, the first of many cycles, both here in Berlin, in Paris, Vienna, and also in New York, even in Tokyo, I'm told. And the rehearsal this morning is for the symphonies this evening, which are numbers two and number five. And with me is the principal flute of the Berlin Philharmonic, Emmanuel Parhood, whom you will know well on Fine Music Radio for the many recordings we have of him, both as a classical player and more recently as a jazz player. So, Emmanuel, thank you. It's a busy week for you, so I appreciate, I really appreciate your time. Oh, yeah, I'm spending a lot of time in company of Sir Simon Rattle and uh, of Ludwig van Beethoven. Not the worst company, indeed. I tried so hard to get Simon Rattle, but apparently he is very, very busy this week. You know, for a conductor, uh, particularly that you've conducted the Berlin Philharmonic, to do to approach a Beethoven cycle, uh, all nine symphonies plus a couple of overtures, it really is a, quite a statement, a musical uh, statement, and therefore I think they need. It requires all their strength and concentration, and um, we do also record this project. We present it on the digital concert hall. Uh, plus, there's a documentation about it, and there's a whole work in progress that uh, people might not see. But uh, there's loads of uh, preparation uh, to get there. But that's what I wanted to ask you now. You've just come from a rehearsal. You, as this orchestra, will know these Beethoven symphonies so well. How does an orchestra with a reputation like the Berlin Philharmonic, arguably I think we can say the world's finest orchestra, who have this tradition of the nine Beethoven symphonies, and yet last night hearing the Eroica, it sounded to me the enthusiasm and the energy as though it was the first time you were enjoying this music. Yet how do you stop it from getting hackneyed? Well, you know, I do have this um, similar experience with the Mozart flute concertos. I've been playing them uh, about a thousand times now since I started playing the flute professionally, and I still enjoy playing them. I still enjoy this music, and if I if I didn't enjoy, uh, then I wouldn't go on stage. And I think it's uh, something in common that all musicians from the BPO share. Personally, I've been here uh, nearly 25 years, but it's my first Beethoven cycle. Um, I played a couple of symphonies under Claudio Abbado um, when he completed his, uh, his own cycle. Um, then last time I played number two was with uh, Giovanni Antonini. Last time I played number one, it was with uh, Pavo Yervi, for example. Last time I played number five, it was uh, with uh, Nicolas Hanoncourt. Uh, so we do have very different uh, experiences and... and Listening to this orchestra, to the various concerts of this orchestra throughout the season, you notice how different we play with different conductors. Not meaning that we have lost our own identity, because we do find some uh, common things in the various versions that uh, Karian or even Furtwängler did, despite the fact that none of the players of Furtwängler times are still active uh, nowadays. 
Um, but yet there's a tradition, the language, a body language, uh, a way to, to, to make this music yours. Did you, were you aware, for example, of the sound of Karyan symphonies with the Berlin Philharmonic when you were a young flautist and then working under Abado and like with the Marlott second that I heard earlier, Abado's approach is so different from Simon Rattle's and now with Simon Rattle, it's so different from Abado and Karyan and Furtwängler, isn't it? Yes, and with Petrenko, it's going to be, again, decisively uh, different to, to, to how it is with Simon Rattle. I think the orchestra always uh, chooses a chief conductor who's a man of our times, in a way, and who is also, also it's also a reaction to the predecessor. Um, this, <laughs> is how, this is probably how Karian was uh, chosen uh, after the, 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 the Furtwängler episode, long history, I would rather say. Uh, and with Karian, it was long history too, it was 35, 36 years. And with Abado, now modern times, things have gotten a bit shorter. This is where I came in, where a lot of the players of my generation, mid-40s, uh, came in and joined the orchestra. And this is our youth, basically. The, the, the way of making music with, uh, with Abado is really what we learned uh, to play, how we learned to play in this orchestra. It was not uh, always easy when Simon uh, arrived and asked us to change the, change the rules of the game a little bit, uh, I would say. It was, was quite... Uh, it took a, number of, a certain number of years to adjust, and, but, but uh, we now achieved really to, to play at our maximum together. And this is the third cycle of symphonies I do together uh, with uh, Sir Simon and the orchestra. Uh, we did Schumann Brahms uh, last fall. We did uh, Sibelius last uh, winter. And now it's a Beethoven cycle. Um, I think, what, what, what else can we do? We could do Bruckner, <laughs> we could do Mahler, we could do Strauss. There's still a lot to be, to, to be done, but uh, I think this will, will go down that road together with the next music director, with uh, Kirill Petrenko. I want to talk to you about Kirill Petrenko in just a moment. We're going to take a piece of music, first of all. Shall we play one of your Mozart concertos? What, what would you like us to play? Uh, what would you like? Well, I first listen uh, by ever first experience ever with music was actually hearing the neighbor practice uh, flute. I was told it was flute at the time. There were other music instruments, but there was this one with a song by Mozart. Uh, I was told it was the Mozart flute concerto number one, and this is really something alive, and particularly the, the third movement of Minuet, Tempo di Minueto, which is very witty and uh, has, uh, has a lot of um, thematic um, intrigues between the orchestra and the solo part. Okay, this is my guest, Emmanuel Pajodes, soloist here with the Berlin Philharmonic in the third movement of Mozart's G Major Flute Concerto. Thank you. 
There you heard Emmanuel Pahuda as soloist with the Berlin Philharmonic, conducted by Claudio Abado in the third movement of Minuet of Mozart's Lute Concerto in G Major, K313. I'm sitting here in an artist room in Berlin, in the Philharmonie, the home of the mighty Berlin Philharmonic, in the midst of a Beethoven cycle, talking to the principal flute, Emmanuel Pahud, who, it seems extraordinary that you've been here so long. Did you say 25 years? I started in September '93, and this orchestra is soon going to be 25 years. I had um, when my children were really young, and, um, and at the turn of the century, I took a little break from the orchestra. So, therefore, adding up everything, maybe probably it's just about 20 years right now. Um, but still, I enjoy this music making, and a lot of things uh, have become easier now that we know each other so much better after growing together for 20 years. Um, playing together is really is really something that becomes um, in German there's this wonderful world of selbstverständlich um, something that's that's makes it really not easy going because uh, and or because then it could become meaningless yeah, like a comfort zone almost uh, or that could also be meaningless couldn't it there just are things that are sitting now that are that are fitting with each other and therefore we can use them musically even better because we're confident that we can that these chords are going to work that these dynamics this vibrato thing we all know each other exactly and when and just a slightly something in the tone is showing a direction and then everybody's moving into, into this direction it's really wonderful uh, to work over a long period of time with the same people so we can really develop a, a common language. I think that's the luxury of the Berlin Philharmonic in that you have sitting next to you, like yourself, the finest, uh, among the finest wind players in the world. Uh, and the, the connection between you and the oboist is so tangible when you're listening, for example, the lovely woodwind writing of Beethoven, for example. And therefore, I'm sure whether it's the clarinet, the oboe, or the bassoon, it's terribly important that you're on the same page to use an expression. Yes, it certainly is very important to 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 be on the same uh, uh, how would you say not known of course the same pitch but just the same vibrations yeah, and to, yeah. to 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 experience to get to know this music to understand it to read it in the same way we do this by selecting our own members in the audition process with a classical concerto so Mozart concerto typically or Haydn or Stamitz um, in the first round so there we recognize those of the candidates who speak our language. Mm -hmm. And uh, it makes then the, the the integration of new musicians in the orchestra much easier. You're course. making it sound almost like chamber music, as though there's a chamber music atmosphere in the orchestra, and I know that you're very passionate about chamber music. Yes, uh, chamber music is a very important part of the music. It's more intimate, of course, than the, than the symphonic setup. Um, it's a different... Um, 
relationship to other musicians as the solo repertoire. And for me, all of these are different forms of the same great music written by the same great composers. And I love to play uh, Sonata by Beethoven, Serenade by Beethoven, uh, his chamber music works uh, with flutes. And then his symphony, for me, there's a, there are common things uh, in this music. Then, and one approach enlights the other one. Um, there are many, I think uh, about 30 different ensembles in, within the orchestra of different uh, chamber music setups. I personally do not belong to any of them because I have a, I'm have pretty busy with my solo career on the other, on the other hand. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but we love to play together on various occasions and this is how we, we every week have some chamber music concerts in the chamber music hall. And, you know, just before the break we were talking about the uh, sound of the orchestra and I know that you're passionate about the sound. You said some fascinating things about Simon Rattle's uh, approach, the, the, the transparency of sound, the, the sort of attack that he's using that is very different, isn't it, from the, the more legato sound of Carian and even perhaps the more legato sound of Abado. I sometimes think Rattle has a slightly more uh, nervy sound, a slightly more edgy sound. Yes, uh, Simon is certainly is certainly somebody who loves to highlight the contrasts written by Beethoven in his symphonies, and um, all these accents, forte piano, sforzando. There's a difference, of course, and uh, the, the the subito forte, subito piano. All these things um, have to be played. Uh, really with a, a lot of accuracy mm-hmm. and um, he's not shy when it comes to these uh, to these uh, extreme contrasts and it's it's of course uh, less much less mellow than than uh, what uh, Karian or what, well, what Abado uh, were delivering but in the meantime we've listened to the wonderful Hanokur set of symphonies also which has really uh, changed uh, the interpretation of these uh, yeah. symphonies and in the meantime I think uh, people like Giovanni Antonini or uh, Pavo Yervi have done wonderful uh, wonderful job with their own orchestras, uh, recording full cycles. David Zinman, in another way, has done really a wonderful job. So there are many options nowadays, uh, much more than probably than in the Karen years, of where there was just Karen and that's yeah. it. And now you've got, I see Simon is using, I keep calling him Simon, so Simon is using the Jonathan Del Mar edition, which I think Zinman used as well. Uh, and Claudio Abado used did it he, too. Did he use yes, it? it was when we first did the Beethoven Symphony. It was not yet out, and then gradually, piece by piece, we did. When it, when Baron Reiter um, released the, the new, the new John, Jonathan Del Mar edition for each symphony, then we used them, corrected all the mistakes that were still left in, <laughs> of <laughs> course. Um, but um, it's of course an interesting approach. I think some things are um, not to me on. Not necessarily by Beethoven, but rather options chosen by the by the the editor. But that's that's how it is. We have so many different sources we, that we can compare manuscripts, and then uh, some of it is not readable. Then we have some material that has been played uh, f- where it was first performed while Beethoven was l- was listening. We don't really know what he was able to listen to actually, uh, with his ear problems. Um, we know, for example, that in the Seventh Symphony he paid two contrabassoon for the rehearsals, but he didn't pay them for the concerts. So were they required to come and he didn't pay them or were they just sent home after the rehearsals? Uh, We don't know, but Simon Rattle went for the option uh, to keep the two uh, contrabassoons Uh in order to to extend the range of the orchestra and oppose the basses, the contrabassoons, to the the violins and the flutes and the piccolos uh, in an even greater manner. 
I think playing um, these well-known pieces, as I said earlier, with a new edition like that must also be terribly exciting, hearing what Simon Rattler is going to do with the accents, the subito pianos, uh, because you mentioned Pavel Yervi, and his cycle of the Beethoven symphonies is really quite sort of dramatic. You obviously heard it, and there's a kind of much more, even more of a punch on those Fortsando things than Sir Simon is doing. I appreciate a lot the work of uh, conductors like Pavel Yervi. I worked with him as a soloist also, or Giovanni Antonini, with their own orchestras. They are, of course, smaller orchestras. They use, um, they 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 tend to use gut strings or they uh, or to use brass and percussion, or timpani, uh, in the old style, and uh, just keep the woodwinds uh, modern because they are so much more in tune and flexible in terms of dynamics, and therefore that gives a brilliant color to the sound and probably gives more of that impact um, by the use of these instruments. Here with the Berlin Philharmonic, we're playing on our traditional uh, instruments uh, sets, and it it is, uh, of course, an orchestra that has a depth of sound, that uh, wants to have a depth of sound that no other has. In a way, it's a trademark, and therefore we're never going to leave this on our side. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, the first symphony, using those hard sticks, for example, as opposed to the softer sticks for the Eroic, it gives a good example of what you're saying. Yes, the sound is always starting from the bass, from the pizzicato, from the timpani uh, that gives the the head of the chord. Mm -hmm. And we all fit in there. We have to make sure, even though we're sitting uh, 30, 40 meters apart from each other, that we're really uh, playing together. And we're not always looking at the conductor. Sometimes we're just looking at at a bass player whose pids is going to give the impulse for everybody uh, to, to play together or to jump off that chord uh, as a reaction with a syncopation. And this is how the rhythm gets really lively and bounces on the stage. Let's uh, take another music break. What, what would you like us to listen to now? I l- loved working uh, with uh, Jackie Terrason so much. Um, and there's one piece that he, inspired by Charlie Chaplin's smile, uh, he done his own. He, he did his own ver- variations on it uh, with a very weird rhythm on top of it. But it's so harmonious and so brings always a smile on my face.
there is another side of my guest, Emmanuel Pahud, who is the principal flute of the Berlin Philharmonic. He is my guest here on People of Note on Fine Music Radio in Berlin this week. I'm talking to Emmanuel Pahud between rehearsals and ahead of a concert in the Beethoven Cycle, which the Berlin Philharmonic is doing under Sir Simon Rattle. Did you, we were talking about Pavel Yerevi just now. Emmanuel, did you hear Simon Rattle's previous recording that he did with the Vienna Philharmonic just before I think he joined Berlin? Because it's very interesting now to be able to compare the two, and when the recording comes out, it's going to be interesting. Um, I do know this uh, cycle as it was uh, released actually just before Sir Simon came to the Berlin Philharmonic and it was a kind of a problem in these times <laughs> for us uh, to get a new chief conductor and uh, to get a, a full Beethoven cycle uh, released with a with another com- competing orchestra. Uh, but uh, of course uh, we took the time to prepare our cycle with him and now 20 years later it's, uh, it's time for it to come out. Um, in the meantime, we've done a lot of work together. It's quite different, actually. Um, Simon is always talking in the rehearsal about his old sins, <laughs> which means some of the things of the markings that are in the parts that were recorded uh, as his statements uh, in that moment. And I think it's a great um, great thing about these, these uh, fantastic artists like Claudio Abado, like uh, Herbert von Karajan. N- none of their Beethoven cycles uh, is identical to the previous one and there's always a way that they've been going uh, during those 10-15 years in between that brings them um, further I must say in the case of Karen I prefer his fir- very first cycle with <laughs> Philharmonia <laughs> uh, and, uh, and uh, in the case of Abado I prefer the later ones um, that get much much lighter and go away from the from what Karen had established over all these years and for me transform a little bit the text by Beethoven and in the case of uh, of uh, Sir Simon Rattle I think we're going to have a um, much denser and much uh, speedier in a way also uh, looking at Beethoven's metronome markings yeah. uh, partly it's another contentious issue and a very vivid interpretation of this uh, Beethoven symphony yeah, yeah. Interestingly, talking about the sound of the orchestra, which you said, you know how the sound comes from the bottom, the, the sort of uh, um, the richness of sound that the Berlin Philharmonic has. I was very intrigued to see, and I don't know if you've seen this script yet, the Gramophone magazine being a little bit tentative about the Sibelius cycle, saying this orchestra was too beautiful to play Sibelius, the sound was too beautiful. When Simon did it with the CBSO, he, they said he managed to get more of a, a gritty sound. But this critic, I haven't heard, by the way, the Sibelius cycle, so I just wondered what you would think of that, that the Berlin Philharmonic is too beautiful to play Sibelius. I don't know what this critic listened to, whether it was the Barbican concerts, or whether it was the Berlin concerts, or whether it was a recording, uh, or our digital concert hall uh, concerts. So it's hard to tell, mm-hmm. and um, not knowing wh- where they came from. I think it's just the opinion of one person, yeah, and uh, it's uh, something that is that is often often being told about these the great orchestras of this world that they make everything sound beautiful. Um, one just needs to to connect to our digital concert hall and see all the 300 concerts that we've been doing in the last five, six uh, years that we have there documented and how different we play under, under various conduct- conductors and how ugly sometimes we can play where the music requires it. Yes. We, the, we, the, where the expression is just terrifying, we can also play terrifying. Like Shostakovich 4, which I saw in the digital concert hall, that lacerating, terrifying symphony where the orchestra really did sound violent. Yes, Shostakovich is, of course, another another one of these music 
Actually, you, you cannot go wrong playing this music. I've never heard a wrong interpretation of a Shostakovich uh, symphony. Uh, everything's quite blatant, and of course the underlying message, um, full of sarcasm, sarcasm, irony maybe in the beginning, but then later, as soon as the fourth symphony yeah, was was out, and actually it was not performed. <laughs> it was rehearsed and then pulled out uh, floor, because yeah. because of some problems with Stalin. Uh, reacting badly to his uh, visit to Shostakovich's opera, Lady mm -hmm. Macbeth. So, so yes, it's a dramatic life and it's a dramatic music. Let's have another music break. Emmanuel Pahut, what would you like us to hear now? I love uh, Debussy's music. It's something I didn't like when I was 20 years old or 25 years old. And now there's so much happening between the notes. And we recorded a lot of this uh, with uh, Simon Rattle, but we recorded also one of the last recordings we did with Claudio Abado. There was uh, some excerpts from Peleas and Melisande, which is just fantastic music. It's still a bit, the, the interludes from Peleas and Melisande, orchestra interludes from Peleas and Melisande is uh, wonderful music. Music by Debussy with the Berlin Philharmonic conducted by Claudio Abado and the choice of my guest Emmanuel Pahud, who I've been saying is the principal flute of the Berlin Philharmonic and I'm here interviewing Emmanuel Pahud in an artist dressing room at the Philharmonie in the middle of the Beethoven cycle. All nine Beethoven symphonies being performed here and then in various parts of the world. Not in Cape Town, unfortunately, but anyway. Have you been to Cape Town, by the way, Mr. Pahud? 
Unfortunately, not yet, but I'm planning a great holiday <laughs> over there um, and uh, hopeful, hopefully also musical and artistic experience. Um, this has to be planned carefully in order to, to, to make the best out of it. Let us know so we can treat you to some good wine from the, from the Cape. Wonderful. I'm enjoying this a lot. With the, with the distance here in Berlin, we can buy all kinds of products uh, from, from South Africa, uh, fortunately, and I'm enjoying this uh, tremendously. What I want to ask you, now, I was considering or pondering whether to ask this or not. The choice of the new conductor after Sir Simon Rattle has been a huge surprise, very much an outsider, Kirill Petrenko. Of all the people, when the announcement was made, I think the music press was slightly bewildered. A fairly unknown conductor. Tell me a little bit about that choice, and what was it that made the orchestra unanimously choose him? Was it unanimous? Are you allowed to answer these questions? Um, no, it was not unanimous, but it's uh, a very strong majority that is required anyway in the process of uh, electing a chief conductor uh, here at the Berlin Philharmonic. And I personally have never played under Kirill Petrenko, for example. He only appeared three times with the orchestra, but I've been sitting in the audience for each of these concerts, different programs uh, with very different repertoire. And I was flabbergasted. I was just, uh, it was just excellent music making and probably the nicest sound I've heard from this orchestra uh, since I know it. So, so this is really very promising. I would put in, in the line musically of uh, none less than Carlos Kleiber or Bruno Walter as references a shy personality uh, to the outer world, but a thorough um, uh, musician that really works very intensively and in detail but never forgets the big line, the big picture. Uh, has a um, great sense of harmony of balancing the sounds. He unites, I think, in in his, in his person um, a lot of the qualities that you would pick in different conductors. But he has <laughs> he has uh, in a way he's got them all. Um, not to say that that uh, there, there are many other conductors that we love working with, and we've also sent this message to to all of them. Uh, particularly those who were expecting a call and <laughs> didn't get the call. Um, but of course it came to a surprise to the musical world, but those who worked with Petrenko or those who listened to his concert, those who knew Petrenko, were not at all surprised and thought this was a very musical, very artistic choice. Because for the first time in the, in the history of this orchestra, since we have now, we're independent basically from any TV channel, from any production company, from any record label, uh, because we are doing everything ourselves, producing everything ourselves with our digital concert hall. Uh, this is the first independent choice from the orchestra, independent from a government, independent from the industry, the music industry. And uh, therefore, that's, I, think, I think this is a very strong message uh, also to this industry. Uh, that has a tendency to go for entertainment uh, sometimes. We love entertainment, but it's also, we're also uh, cultural actors uh, of today, of nowadays. And this is where the Berlin Philharmonic wants to play a very important role. It's interesting that you should say the modern repertoire is important, is basically what you're saying, isn't it? And Kirill Petrenko apparently is quite keen to keep and to introduce even more. I know Simon Rattle introduced a, um, a modern repertoire, and you support the modern repertoire, don't you, because you've had, a number, you've had some flute concertos commissioned and written for you, and therefore you support new music. 
Yes, in the last, uh, since, since the famous Mozart year 2006, where everybody was playing Mo Mozart everywhere, the kind of musical uh, Mozart orgy uh, happening. Uh, and I decided to boycott the Mozart concertos that year and started commissioning new concertos. So, so I've been now playing 10 new concertos. Actually, today in the mailbox, there was a, the parts have arrived for a new flute concerto I'm going to play um, for the first time in Strasbourg uh, at the end of November, when the orchestra comes back from the from New York from the from the Beethoven tour. So while we're playing Beethoven, I'll get ready with this new music by Béchara El Khoury, a Lebanese composer living in Paris. And um, Claudio Abado did a lot bringing new music uh, composers like Ligeti, Kortak, Wolfgang Riem, for example, uh, to our orchestra. Then with Sir Simon Rattle, we went for much uh, more exotic composers, um, I would say, of course, much more Anglo-Saxon, uh, not only in the nationality, but in the music uh, making. And I think now with Kirill Petrenko, it's going to go a very different direction again. But uh, it's important. It, I think it, if we want to keep music alive, we have to commission, we have to, to look forward. And history will tell us whether these pieces were worth the while. But if one of them stays in history, uh, then we've done our job. You've done your job, yes. exactly. When you were talking about recordings earlier, you know, you have your own label now, which is now about to release the Beethoven as well. Um, does that mean that the orchestra's famous association, for example, with Deutsche Grammophon is over? There might be some, um, some projects with uh, conductors or soloists with whom they, that they have under contract where they might want to hire the Berlin Philharmonic uh, to do this. But it's really difficult to fit these things in a season and we certainly artistically don't let record labels dictate the programming of the Berlin Philharmonic. Now we have very serious programmers and uh, people who give to our, give a certain sense of dramaturgy in, a, in, a, in, a, in our seasons. Uh, there are cycles, there are uh, different uh, things that we want to present in our seasons. And there was a time, of course, when the, when the orchestra recorded in the 80s and the 90s so much, with every, basically every week was a, was a half concert, half studio sessions, uh, where a lot was made in agreement with, a, with, a, with the record labels. But, but uh, the, I think this business has changed a lot, and uh, we're not a backup band for, let's, let's put it this way, for, for, for soloists or for, for uh, young conductors. So this, if this is what they want from us, probably we're not the cheapest nor the best to do this. <laughs> Very diplomatic answer. But talking about not having time, you don't seem to have much time. I mean, your, your solo career has taken off. I read somewhere that you've got 24 CDs on the EMI label and that you the only flautist in the world as a soloist who is signed to a major label. So I hope the Berlin Philharmonic is not going to lose you anytime soon. They lost James Galway, who had pursued the solo career. Well, times are, are different. I uh, I enjoy music as a solo instrument, as a chamber music player. I, I enjoy playing in the orchestra. Here is my musical family, in a way. It's my musical home. Um, and for me, I, I like to keep this balance with uh, yeah, about 75 concerts per year here with the, with the Berlin Philharmonic, either in Berlin or on tour, and another 80 to 85 uh, solo or chamber music projects plus the recording sessions, and, um, and then my family, with whom we'd like to spend some time together every now and then. So, so this it makes my life pretty full. This is why I don't have time to, to teach or to give lessons, for example, because a choice has to be made. But I, I try to enjoy music and to breathe music as much as possible. Talking about uh, that, and I suppose, I hope you don't think this is a naive or patronizing question, with an orchestra like the Berlin Philharmonic, 
how much practice do you have to put in? You've got to keep yourself right up there, as with every player in the orchestra, at the best. You cannot possibly afford to let yourself slip. Do you do this sort of eight-hour-a-day thing? Well, if um, there are very different days, whether we're tra- traveling overseas or or, um, or rehearsing or doing recording sessions, we'll have a very or having a late night concerts. We're going to have a very different rhythm. So it's hard to tell how much you practice every day. What I know is that I'm appearing on stage every second day throughout the year, and therefore, and in between, I'm traveling, rehearsing, preparing, uh, practicing, etc. So I'm always in good shape. I don't have a uh, time to lose that uh, shape like a sportsman in a way if you back off too long mm. it's the way back is uh, really so difficult um, like a sportsman as you say of course we, we are what we're doing requires uh, amazing ability with the arms with the fingers with the with the tongue or with the mouth depending on the instruments and it's a little bit like the the high l- performance level that is required from from sportsmen or athletes and it's one thing to get there as a student because you somebody's guiding you, yeah. somebody's pushing you, you have a structure helping you, but as soon as you're left alone as a professional, and this is the great thing of Berlin Philharmonic, you're not left alone, you're part of, of a family. There's a, a strong dynamic from everybody, and if you feel down a little bit, then you've been carried by the group. Sorry to interrupt you, but at the same time, if one of the players... I'm sure this won't happen, is going off-colour a bit as a self-governing orchestra. Would someone come to you and say, Emmanuel, you know, you seem to be losing a bit. I mean, obviously I'm using that as an example. Do you monitor each other constantly? We never let it go that far, actually. We're always keeping the contact talking and improving commonly. Uh, and therefore, everybody knows which way to go individually to move up. And if if somebody needs time, uh, we'll give them that time to take care of their own things and then come back in a better shape. Thank you for the time you've given us on Fine Music Radio, but just one more choice to end our session together. What would we like to listen to after talking so much about Beethoven? I think we should listen to the to the Seventh Symphony, the Allegretto. And who is going to conduct this recording that you've chosen? Why not Pavel Yervi and the Kammer Philharmonie Bremen?
Well, there's one of the most beautiful movements from all the Beethoven symphonies, I think we can safely say. The second movement of the Symphony No. 7 by Beethoven, with the Bremen Orchestra there, conducted by Paavo Jervi, and the last choice of my guest, Emmanuel Paavo, the principal flute of the Berlin Philharmonic, whom I now have to let get back and get ready for the concert tonight, Beethoven 2 and 5. But just before you go, we were talking about the conductors of the past, and I was very surprised and interested to see that you actually played in Munich under the great or the legendary or the controversial Chilibidake. Did that have a big impression on you? I actually never played under Chilibidake, but I was selected to, to enter the Munich Philharmonic, and by the time I was supposed to be starting, I got the job in Berlin. So I had to go, uh, of course, to, to go and see uh, Maestro Chilibidake and uh, speak with him. Fortunately, I was prepared for this interview or this uh, this conversation by my teacher, Aurel Nicolet, who was a... Um, principal flute player here in the Berlin Philharmonic in the years after the war, after World War II. So he played and spent a lot of time together with Celebidak and with Furt Wengler um, in these eight years that he was in, uh, in Berlin in this, in this time, in this post-war time. And um, yeah, Celebidak asked about what was my problem. I said, I don't have much of a problem actually, I just have a choice. Uh, I will be going to Berlin uh, next year because I think this is where my future is. Uh, but it's just the question, should I play in uh, 
uh, in Munich for one year or not, because if you want to try out people, uh, on, uh, then then you better try some some other people, somebody else. In the same time, I had just won the Geneva competition. Therefore, I had many offers for solo concert that year, so I, I could absolutely uh, afford uh, not being a member of an orchestra for that year. Uh, also, artistically, it was very important for me to, to, to let this go. And, and the conversation was actually quite uh, quite good, except he talked really bad about all other conductors. <laughs> yes. I saw an excruciating rehearsal sequence with him with the Berlin Philharmonic and the Bruckner Symphony where he just talked all the time, endlessly lecturing you people, which I know orchestras don't really like. But Telebidake is a fascinating character. He can tell yeah. stories like nobody. I think all conductors after a certain age, they don't like conducting so much more. They like talking. Um, people like Ricardo Muti or Daniel Barenboim are great at telling stories also, but just making a point also, right, in front of the orchestra before we even have played one note, just to set the picture, set the landscape of uh, where the, is this music going to happen. And, um, and of course, Jelibidaki's return after all these, uh, these carrion wor- uh, years where he boycotted our orchestra must have been very difficult, a very difficult step for him and for the people present there. When you look at his youth interpretations here in Berlin, uh, or what he was doing in Stuttgart and then in Stockholm. It was an amazing ma- amazing work. What he later did with the Munich Philharmonic was also very impressive, but was a kind of anti-Karajan. Um, and, and it was negative in a way. It was not necessarily always positive music making, but I witnessed some great concerts with Celebidake and Bar- Daniel Barenboim as a soloist, or Maurizio Polini, or Anna Zofimoto, or Jesse Norman, in these last years of his collaboration with the Munich Philharmonic. That was responding marvelously to his uh, to his beats, but he was also taking loads of time to rehearse. There were concerts only every two weeks, and they were really working ten weeks on every program. Um, at the Berlin Philharmonic and in any other orchestra, you work like two, three days on a new program, and then you present it at the end of the week. And this is what, what we're doing. But it was a fascinating experience to follow his music making and his working with the orchestra. But in a way, I was fortunate enough not, not to have to play uh, in another orchestra before uh, coming, to the, coming to the Berlin Philharmonic. Uh, as I was really prepared um, by Aurélie Nicolet, who had played in this orchestra, and gave me all these yeah, hints and uh, advices, a piece of advice that, that what he learned from Fudwegner, what he learned from Celebidaki, what he learned from Karajan also, uh, helped me a lot when I joined this orchestra. And I promise you this is the last question. Briefly tell me about what flute you use, this extraordinary sound you get. I use a Brandon Cooper flute, which is a Boston made, uh, together with a Sheridan head joint. It's all 14 karat gold, gold. I bought it in 1989 when I was still a relatively uh, young player, just becoming professional. I then got my first orchestral job in Basel, uh, the Radio Symphony Orchestra, and ha- having spared a little money from my competitions, um, I could afford such an instrument, which is still currently a uh, top instrument, is still uh, available on the market, hasn't, has been improved a little bit or changed, but uh, uh, modified. Uh, to make it easier to play, maybe, but uh, I'm really so happy and thrilled the way it sounds, uh, the way it sings. Uh, for me, I, there's a kind of direct connection. It doesn't feel like an instrument, but uh, like the extension of my breath or my body. 
And Beethoven wrote such lovely flute parts. I was listening last night in the last movement of the Eroica, which has that lovely flute solo where it certainly sang. I think a fair amount of that has to do with you as well. Uh, I love the opera. I love singing. I, if I could, I, I'd, I'd be a singer. I have deepest admiration for, for, for the people who make music uh, with, with their voice. And I, this is what I try to do, to do and to achieve uh, with my instrument. And it's what we try to do together with the uh, Philharmonic woodwinds, strings brass uh, when we're playing together this music uh, we make it sing and ring together Emmanuel Powell principal flute of the Berlin Philharmonic thank you so much for your time I shall let you go now and prepare for tonight's concert I'm looking forward to hearing the rest and we can always watch you on the digital concert hall which is doing so well thank you very much for your time People of Note on Fine Music Radio was proudly brought to you by Peter Turin Productions
FM.